It's Friday. It's Friday. We made it through the week, and guys, don't forget, it's Valentine's Day. You screw up today, the rest of your year will be miserable. I'm just telling you, it will be miserable. Now, I'm going to I'm going to give you a heads up on a place that's reopening in Hot Springs, and I don't know if they've got any seats remaining for their motown review that they're doing tonight but uh, tom wilkins is on the phone with me right now from down in hot springs and the vapors is uh, reopening and tonight motown hits stage are there any seats remaining tom dave for first of all good morning good morning uh, secondly i've lost my voice already so that's not good for radio yeah you're doing but- good yeah, yeah. Uh, we are sold out. Oh, uh, that's the best news in the entertainment. Yes, it is. World, they're sold out. So you're SRO uh, then, just, huh? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. You're SRO. Yes, that that's exactly right. And uh, actually, it happened a lot quicker than even I could uh, envisualize. That uh, the people have just uh, the excitement has. It's just been tremendous over here in Hot Springs, and I might add across the state because of the legendary, iconic uh, vapors is coming back to life, and we're so excited. Well, this is cool, and you couldn't have picked uh, a better uh, kind of musical opening. The only thing that would have been better is if you'd done the Rat Pack. I'm just saying. Well, you know, I tried. I contacted every one of them, <laughs> but they they said that they were e- eternally busy. That's so, it. That's it. Yeah, they're all so, they're all booked into in behind the pearly gates now, aren't they? That that that's why here. That's what I understand. Yes, sir. Okay, so tell everybody about the vapors. You know, a lot of people may not be, uh, you know, have the historical knowledge about this. I will tell everybody this. I was there. Uh, a few weeks ago, because we had a, a meet the candidates of Garland County uh, deal that went off on a Saturday. And I got to tell you, Tom, I walked in and that was a very cool venue. Well, thank you. It has changed so much since you've, you know, since you've been here, because quite honestly, we've been working extremely hard. That was uh, I did that kind of as a favor to the Liberty Coalition folks that a lot of them are friends of mine and. Uh, and so at, at any rate, the excitement, uh, what we've tried to do is when you walk into the building to bring back that 1960 era when everything was, you know, illegal gambling, although we won't have that going on tonight, Dave. Oh, but, it. Uh, the illegal gambling was going on when uh, people like Dane Harris and Oni Madden, who was a former uh, nightclub owner of the uh, Cotton Club in New York, I think it was, 
the place was built in 59 and opened in, in July the 22nd of 1960. And from that day on, he was charged, Dane was, with bringing in the, in the most iconic entertainment that have ever played not only uh, in a facility like that, but across the South. Mm-hmm. This place was just super, super uh, uh, exciting back in those days. So um, as the story goes, it opened in 60 through all those years. Actually, in 63, there was a big bombing in that building where they they really uh, don't know who exactly did it. But this was a, a mafia-controlled situation. That's where Hot Springs got a lot of its historic value was because of uh, the mafia characters that roamed the streets down here right. back in those days. And so they, uh, they, they uh, built this place in 63. The bombing happened, uh, which is always exciting when people come in because I can show them the area. Of course, they had a huge room of illegal gambling. But more importantly, they had people like Mickey Rooney, uh, Rosemary Colooney, uh, just all the top names of the day performed on that stage, uh, about 150 to 200 the best that we can find. And uh, the most iconic story, though, uh, it was when this guy named Tony Bennett was starting his career out. And as legend had it, he had done a show, and they had locked the room up uh, so nobody would bother him. And Tony was with this piano player, and they were rehearsing a new song that he was planning on doing uh, at another time. And so he put it down, he played it, and the only other person in the room was the bartender that was cleaning up from earlier that evening. Well, he he sang this song, and when he was done, he says, Mr. Mister Bennett, if you ever record that song, I want to buy the first copy. And, of course, that iconic song was I Left My Heart in San Francisco. A great song. Uh, which, which made his career. Mm-hmm. And uh, story after story after story are from people that performed on that stage. Oh, that's so it's just an exciting, iconic place. Well, tell everybody about tonight's show. Now, is it just tonight, or is it for the whole weekend, or how long is it going to run? Uh, give them the whole it, lowdown. It just tonight. Okay. It's just tonight. Um, we, uh, you know, in my great mind of booking things, I thought, ah, Valentine's Day. This, this can't go wrong, and it didn't. Uh, we we seat the arguably three to four hundred people is what our license says, and and we've we've gotten all of that in you know in here tonight. Great. But I called some buddies of mine. I've been doing this since 1986, uh, booking accent for another theater that I owned for 33 years, and uh, developed so many friends over the years, but. I thought, what show would I want to see, even though I've seen tons of them in my life? And I've, I've got friends that are, two of them are uh, in the Temptations tribute group, two of them are in the Platters group, and they merged and, and because they could play so many more different uh, iconic music of the Motown era, and they're just phenomenal. They are just super. I'm sure we're going to have them back again. There's no doubt in my mind, but uh, if you walked into the vapors tonight, you are going to be able to to laugh. You're going to be able to reminisce. You're going to be able to dance. 
Mm-hmm. We've got a dance floor in there. Oh, cool. Uh, it's just going to be an exciting time. But one, there's, there's so many things that have happened since you've seen the building. I found uh, just, it was a God thing. I found the original uh, bar that was in there in 1960. <laughs> and we have, we have restored it. Yeah. And put it all, and that was a labor of love. I've had some friends of mine that worked their tails off getting this back together. And, and, uh, there's, it, it, you just got to see it to believe it. I've got another gal that's, uh, is in the process. We're not totally finished with the interior, but she has done a mural, but it's done in photography type mural of all the big stars that, performed in that room Hmm. over the years this thing is going to be just something you're going to sit there and go well i remember that person oh i didn't know they played here very cool very cool excuse me yeah just let everybody know we're talking to tom wilkins he's down in hot springs they're reopening the vapors in hot springs and tonight for valentine's day they're sold out so if you've got tickets you you're a lucky person you're taking uh, right. your significant other to a very, uh, very cool event. But they're they're doing a Motown review type uh, show. And Motown, right. growing up outside of Chicago, Motown was just a, a huge part of my life. So when you have these folks back, I'll be definitely looking to get some tickets and, and coming out and yeah, see, the, see sure. the show. Absolutely. Now, just let me give a plug for next weekend, next Friday sure. night. I have like the nation's uh most predominant uh patsy klein artist going to be there oh very Sarah cool Heyman is her name and then uh on, on one of the neat things i get to do is pick when i pick out acts i pick out things that i also want to see and this next one next saturday night is one it's called the bob hope on the air road show and it's a reenactment 1940s radio show. These folks are from they're from out of uh, Phoenix, Arizona, mm-hmm. and they do a reenactment of, of a radio show with Bob Hope, Jimmy Durante, uh, see Red Skelton, Jack Benny, all the iconic oh, people wow. at that time. Especially if you're a veteran, you've got to come out and see this. Yeah, it looks it's, that uh, sounds very good as well. R- right, and we have things coming up like the Liverpool Legends. Some People might know them from uh, Branson fame. Right. They're arguably the number one Beatles tribute uh, group in the nation. And then, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Million Dollar Quartet. I have. At all. They performed for five years at the Lawrence Welk Theater. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple of these buddies were friends of mine, and, and they just ended their run up there. And they found out I was opening the favorite says, we want to play. These guys are just it's the night that uh, that the four of them got together at Sun Records uh, in Memphis, and uh, they have changed the act up a little bit. They call it the the uh, the Million Dollar Four now because of copyright and all that. Right. It's not really a play. It's but it's all them doing much more music than they did in the play. So Carl uh, Perkins, uh, Elvis, uh, Jerry Lee Lewis. And Johnny Cash. Oh, what a great so, show that will be. Oh, super, super. We've got so many of those kind of shows coming. Uh, and all you have to do to find out what's coming is go to our website, yeah. which is thelegendaryvapors.com. And, you know, in today's world, that was that was a big surprise. When I went to rename this to market it, 
the word vape, vapor or vape has a whole different meaning. You better nowadays. believe it now. Yeah. And uh, so we, I renamed it Legendary Vapors. And the owner and I, his name is Jimmy Miller. I'm just the guy. I'm. They call me the everything guy because mm-hmm. that's what I do is everything. Right. My wife and I were there till midnight last night. So uh, getting things really fresh looking and and organized for tonight. So we're so excited. Yeah, well, uh, you should we be, Tom. To- I mean, if it, if it looks better than what I saw it a few weeks ago, you've got yourself an amazing uh, establishment for people to come to. Yes, sir. It's it's by far going to be the nicest uh, place of its kind uh, in this area of our country, for sure. No, that's so cool. We're, we're genuinely excited. All right. Well, Tom, do me a favor. Rest your voice for just a moment. I need to take a break. I got to get some traffic sure. and weather and things like that. And then we'll come back and I want to talk about, you know, you know, what people can expect when they come to the vapors. What do you what are offerings going to be and things of that nature? And then I'll let you talk about that Patsy Klein uh, uh, presentation that's coming back up and then the uh, presentation of Sun Records and things of that nature. Tom Wilkins is our guest. The Vapors, the legendary Vapors, is reopening tonight. It is sold out tonight. Sorry, can't get in and see the show tonight. It is a Motown show, but uh, Tom tells us that he'll be bringing it back through again in the near future. With that said, let's get a break in. 620 in the morning, 24 degrees. Feels like, you ready for this, Zach? Feels like 17 outside. I know I was walking in today, and uh, it woke me up. I, I slept all the way driving in this morning. Uh, when I got out of the car, it was like, wow, getting slapped in the face. We got more to talk about with Tom when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. 624, 24 degrees, a wind chill outside of 17 degrees right now here in uh, uh, Little Rock, down to Hot Springs. I don't know what it is down there, but bottom line, it's it's pretty chilly outside as well. Tom Wilkins is our guest. They're opening up. The club, the legendary Vapors tonight. It is a reopening. Vapors was a hot spot back in the day. They're going to make it a nuclear hot spot now because it sounds like big things are going to be uh, going on there. Tom, real quickly for my listeners, can you uh, do you get dinner at the Vapors? Drinks, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it sounds kind of it's got a kind of a Vegas vibe to it. Yeah. Yes, Dave. I. In the process of planning all this, I did not uh, really, you know, I was guessing a little bit as far as do people want dinner, do they not, uh, just want to see the show, whatever. So I put a mixture of both in. Okay. And the lower the lower level where you were at that one day, uh, that whole area is where the dinner people uh, sit. And that actually sold out in two days. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, who would have known? And then uh, so the upper uh, level, which is more general seating, um, we sold that out of actually a few days ago. Um, just an exciting time. And by the way, I, I need to let you know, people have said it'd be a cold day when this place ever reopened. <laughs> it's seven, 17 degrees. And I moved south to get, because I'm from Wisconsin originally, back in the 70s, I moved down here to Hot Springs, the beautiful, iconic Hot Springs. Right. And uh, uh, it was 53 below wind chill up there. And so uh, it is warmer here 
in many respects. I agree. I grew up outside of Chicago. I can I can totally tell people up north, you don't want to be there right now, not with the wind blowing off of Lake Michigan. So, Tom, no, you know, no. you, you're to be commended. You have put together quite uh, the place. This is this is unique. I think this is unique to Hot Springs. It's going to have a, a big feel for uh, Hot Springs. I don't think you're going to have any problem selling tickets to it. I'm definitely going to be coming in in the near future. Looking forward to it. Uh, again, people go to the legendaryvapors.com. Is that right? Right. Or or they can uh, uh, basically they can call us. They can go to eventbrite.com, okay. which is where we sell our tickets. Excuse me, my voice is still waking up here. Um, <laughs> uh, eventbrite.com, and, and we found that. That took a lot of pressure off us where we didn't have to deal with the tickets. Although our phone number, uh, 501-463-4463, my wife, and Susan, answers that phone. And she has been so busy because people, they just have questions. Sure. And some of them, their their goal in life is just to talk on the phone. <laughs> and um, uh, it, it gets to be some long conversations. But. She's the the type of personality. She loves doing that. Uh, All right. Me, not so much. Um, I, I, I've been trying to save my voice, and I lost that battle. But um, just uh, uh, such exciting times. Uh, we're we're located right off the downtown area, a couple blocks, um, and it's it's uh, called Park Avenue in that area. Back in the day. Most people don't know this, but that was the entrance to Hot Springs. Oh, really? With, with old uh, highway, uh, I think it was 5 and 7, that came over from Little Rock. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was that was the way to get into downtown Hot Springs. And so much has been done over the years. And I'm glad that I was somewhat a part of that, uh, renovating uh, downtown, bringing it back to life again. And Hot Springs is certainly... Uh, doing a tremendous job with promoting what we have All right, history. Tom, I got to let you go. Congratulations on a fantastic first night reopening and getting the place uh, standing room only. That's fantastic. I'm glad this has happened. The uh, Just the incredible vapors. I mean, it sounds like a place, the legendary vapors, sounds like a place that everybody will want to hit and make it a special destination. Thanks, Tom, for the time. We appreciate you, bro. We'll talk to you later. All right, bye-bye. All right, Tom Wilkins down there in Hot Springs. And I'm just telling you, it's a great-looking place. I mean, when when we did the the candidate meet uh, there in Garland County in Hot Springs, and I walked in there, I mean, it felt like walking into Vegas in the 1960s. It's that kind of a showroom feel. Uh, to it so it's uh, it's going to be fun now if you wanted to go there for tonight for valentine's day well you're simply out of luck or as i like to say you're sol you are simply out of luck you can't go to the show tonight it is totally sold out but they've got a dinner menu they've got a bar and then they've got great acts so that means a great night for you if you go to the legendary vapors down in hot springs. We'll have Tom on again, uh, and talk further about this here in the near future. But right now we got to get to some news. It's a uh, six 30. 
24 degrees, feels like 17. Let's find out what's going on around the world. All right, back with you. Liz Harrington should be just around the corner waiting for her to call in to talk about her recent op-ed on uh, foxnews.com. And, of course, Liz is a national spokesperson for the RNC, and she wrote an uh, op-ed that uh, we uh, have been talking about for low several days now, not about specifically her her op-ed, but something that I've noticed, and I was talking about it, and then she wrote this and it validified what, you know, what I've been saying, and that is everybody thinks that, um, you know, Bernie Sanders is the crazy candidate out there because he gets out and he just says exactly what he thinks and what he believes in. And the, and a lot of people feel that on the Democrat side, that if he's the candidate that they run for president, that he's going to run, he's going to fail miserably uh, running against Trump. Here's the problem with what they're saying. And I believe that you will see through this here in the, in the next few weeks. And that is all the other candidates, you know, Klobuchar and Mayor Pete. Uh, I mean, we, we know about Warren, uh, even Biden are, you know, they say they're in the centrist lane. They're the they're the people that are the moderates. They're in the in the center of what they believe. And I got to tell you what, that's nothing but a lie. I mean, it is a a lie for for instance think that you have a candidate who wants to abolish the electoral college which is a foundation from our uh constitution for our representative government the candidate also would force all americans to pay for abortion regardless if they're pro-life or pro-choice a position voters reject by large margins Uh, The candidate wants to transform our energy sector and is a co-sponsor of the so-called Green New Deal, uh, a radical centralized plan that mandates government-run health care, housing, access to nature, and blames systematic racial, regional, social, environmental, and economic injustices on global warming. Now, you might think, that that's Bernie Sanders' platform that he's running on, right? And I'm going to tell you what, you'd be right. However, it is also the platform for Senator Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota. She believes in every one of the things that I just mentioned. And then what about that other moderate out there? You know, Mayor Pete of South Bend. Know that Mayor Pete has said, quote, talking about Bernie Sanders, on issue after issue after issue, we share the same goals, unquote. You know, the media has been trying to sell you since uh, last fall that former South Bend Mayor Pete uh, is a moderate. Not only is he a supporter of all the above positions, all the things that I just talked about, about Klobuchar, 
and about Sanders, but he also wants to pack the Supreme Court with liberal judges. He thinks a baby's life doesn't begin until uh, they take their first breath and that it's a good thing for seven-year-olds to be talking about abortion. I'm not making this up. This is Mayor Pete. If you eat a burger or drink from a straw, you are, quote, part of the problem, unquote. He not only wants to decriminalize illegally crossing the border, but he also wants to decriminalize heroin and meth. This is what the Democrats call somebody who's moderate, a centrist. And the media has been selling you this cock and bull story for weeks now. And even, even the, you know, the, the talk show hosts are saying that these people are the moderates. No, they're not. They believe in the same things as Bernie Sanders does. They're selling the same snake oil that Bernie Sanders is, uh, is selling. The so-called centrist lane is really nothing more than a media-created fallacy. It's not in the center. It's severely to the left, the far left. We've been talking about this for quite some time now. And if you just take uh, the mainstream media's uh, thoughts, then you don't have, you know, you, you think that these are the moderates. Today's moderate Democrats are the focus-grouped version of socialism. They don't use the hot-ticket words that Bernie Sanders uses. They, they get to focus groups, and focus groups then changes the language. They change it up. They're trying to sell the radical ideas in a more appealing package, more palatable. And they're doing it through a small-town mayor and a former junior consultant or a not-so-Minnesota-nice female senator. I I think it's interesting that they're selling out that uh, Klobuchar is really the laid-back, nice lady. And if you remember uh, Congressman Johnson from Louisiana who was on with us on – was it Wednesday that we had him or Tuesday? Yeah, it was Tuesday as we were going into the uh, uh, the primary in New Hampshire. And he said that something that he believed is going to come out in the media and uh, in a lot of different areas is that she is not a nice person. She's got a a hair trigger temper that she's covered up very well thus far uh, on, on TV. She's known to throw things at her staffers. She's known to, uh, you know, downgrade them uh, verbally, but that's part of the story you haven't heard. And he believes you're going to start hearing that now as she's gained some momentum Uh, that uh, some of the folks that are also running for the nomination are going to bring this stuff up uh, about her. Uh, All of the uh, different uh, Democrat uh, candidates have problems now with people of color and uh, what they're doing. 
all of these candidates share a vision of big government. Not the big government we have now, which is big, but expanding even what we're seeing now, the big government we're seeing now, and making it even bigger in our daily lives. You know, just like Sanders, they just don't like uh, Sanders and the way he's blunt about what he talks about. I mean, he's one thing I've said about, uh, you know, Sanders uh, all all the way through the uh, the election of uh, four years ago. And then now that he's running for the nomination again for the Democratic Party is that he's fully transparent. He tells you exactly what he's thinking. And it's got everybody in the Democratic Party, uh, you know, scared. Well, let me tell you what. Pay attention to these other candidates that are using, again, these these words from uh, these groups, these focus groups, because they believe in the exact same thing. You can't actually tell the middle class you'll raise their taxes. They don't they don't talk about that. Uh, Democrats don't want to say outright that uh, they're not going to be able to keep uh letting you have your doctor on health care. They'll prefer to lie like they did last time about that. You remember that. I mean, Obama did it. You know, we're going to let you keep your doctor. Something that he said. We're going to let you keep your insurance. There's no significant difference among any of the Democrats on policy. While Klobuchar and uh, Mayor Pete won't take out terrorists, uh, Sanders would let them vote from prison. <laughs> I mean, that's the case. And uh, Mayor Pete admits there is only a difference, his word, not mine, tone. They He tries to wrap it up in a soft-spoken package. You could call him kind of the, uh, the, the Mel Torme of the Democratic Party. You know, the... Uh, the velvet frog of uh, the left. He talks so nicely on stage. And because he gives it to you in soft speech, it sounds like he's not as hard left, but he is. We'll talk more about this. Got to get a break in. Uh, Liz hasn't called in yet. We hope that she will. May have been a, we, we, we have problems at times. Uh, I set this up at 7.35 Eastern, which is 6.35 here, all right? And hopefully, hopefully, uh, they're not going to call it 8.35 there, thinking they need to be on at 7.35 here because, well, we could probably work her in because Robert Steinbach would be here with us, and he'd like to talk to her as, uh, as well. But more on how the Democratic Party, And several of the candidates are trying to pull the wool over your eyes and make you think that they're centrist. We got to get to traffic. We got to get to weather. It's uh, 646 or 14 minutes till 7. It's still 24 degrees. It still feels like it's 17. And you're still listening to the Dave Ellswick Show at 101.1 FM, the answer home of the Rush Limbaugh Show. All right, let's finish up this hour. And there's evidently, as I said, been a mix-up of time uh, with Liz Harrington. So hopefully she'll be with us a little later on in the program. I'm I'm communicating with the folks in Washington, D.C. during the break. 
So uh, we're trying to get things worked out. So let's go back and talk a little bit more about the Democrat uh, folks that are running for the nomination, the candidates, and how there's not a frog's hair difference between them. You got Sanders, who is talking about a fair transition when he eliminates millions of jobs in the energy industry. You've heard him talk about it. I've heard him talk about it. Now, Mayor Pete doesn't talk about that fair transition. He likes to call it, here's that focus group stuff, career transitions. He vows support for those who are working in the industry fields that are going to go through the most change for what has to happen to find our new climate future. I'm quoting directly from things that he has said. Does this sound like a centrist? Does this sound like a moderate to you? It doesn't to me. Sounds like a far left whack job, okay? He's, he's just repackaged. They put him in a nice suit. They make him young, and he talks softly. He doesn't look like, uh, you know, a crazy uh, old man with, uh, you know, hair that's in disarray all the time. Looks like, like a mad scientist standing behind the microphone. But you don't have to worry, says uh, Mayor Pete. No, you don't have to worry at all because, quote, your new government-mandated green job will be, quote, very easy to understand, unquote. So the choice for the Democratic uh, nominees is whether you want to, to vote for a 70-year-old socialist, communist, who uh, wants to tell you how to live your life, or a 38-year-old son of an alleged communist that wants to tell you how to live your life. And that's uh, you're going to probably have to make that decision uh, when you go to the ballot box and the fantasy of a moderate. And we've, we're getting this from, uh, you know, the mainstream media now is this white knight who voters will police behind to take on Sanders. And who would that be? Well, it's a, a nanny state billionaire who banned big gulps wants a massive national program to retrofit your house, is behind the most extreme anti-Second Amendment policies in the nation, and who praises Chinese communism. Michael Bloomberg was banning everything before the Democrats thought it was cool. I mean, he's been doing it. And you know how he feels about the Second Amendment. I mean, if he could do away with the Second Amendment today at 12 o'clock noon, snap his fingers and make it go away, he would do it. Just telling you, he would do it. And then he would pass every bill he could to take away your right to have a gun. He's right at home right now with the most far-left candidates. But here's the problem for Bloomberg. Money can buy a lot of things, but what it can't buy you is authenticity or charisma, which he has none of. Zip, nada. And you can't buy enthusiasm. I mean, you can't get a more low-energy candidate than Michael Bloomberg. I mean, he looks slower than Biden does. 
You can't buy promises kept. You can't pay a consultant to manufacture accomplishments. And whether you pretend to be a moderate or not, no Democrat can uh, match the unprecedented success of Donald Trump. So those are just some things to think about as you keep paying attention to uh, this election that's going on. Don't forget uh, that early voting starts Monday for the primary and that you need to get out and vote during the primary because that's when you will elect all the judges for whatever reason. I don't know why they did it this way. In the primary, when you vote for the judges, it's their general election. It's whoever wins, wins the election. You're not picking who's going to run uh, for, you know, the, 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 the positions. You're picking the person who's going to be in that position. So pay attention to if they're conservative or not. I mean, Webb is conservative. Skip uh, Welsh is not. All right. And they don't have R and D's in front of them because under this whole thing of being nonpartisan, they can hide what they really feel and what they really think. They don't have to identify themselves with what party uh, they are affiliated with. But there's going to be a lot of great uh, choices to make. And you want to make sure as far as, you know, for state senator and state representative that you get out and cast your vote for your candidate. And then uh, a lot of these folks, once you cast your vote, whoever comes out of the primary, they don't have a challenger in the fall. So specifically, you're putting those people uh, in to that particular seat. I mean, that's the way it is, I think, for uh, um what is it, Furman and uh, and um, McClure down there in, in Benton? I think that they, I don't think they have a Democratic challenger. They might, but they'll lose. The, the Democrat will lose just because it's Saline County, which, uh, as far as I'm concerned, is the most conservative county uh, in the state. And, and why anybody would vote for a person who, you know, cut an attack ad for a uh, Republican? sitting governor and i know you might not like them but they still cut an attack ad on them i mean would you rather had uh, the other that was running as a democrat in there right now i would hope not just know that those are things that are uh should be foremost on your mind all right we got to get to the news news is coming up And then Robert Steinbach will be joining us. He'll be with us for two hours today. Matt Smith is at his daughter's school today doing a dad and daughter thing. And uh, when it comes to that kind of stuff, he asked me, do you have any problem with me not being there uh, on Friday? And I said, you go be with your daughter. That is more important than you coming in here and sitting with me. So uh, he's with his daughter today. I hope they have a great time at school. I'll be back with you. Uh, we got a lot of things still to talk about. I want to talk about, you know, these things I've been saying, uh, some with Robert. We hope to get Liz Harrington rearranged so that we can get her on today 
on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. News is next. It's about a minute until 7 o'clock. It's 24 degrees. Feels like it's 17. Today it's going to be sunny, but the high will only be near 42 with a wind chill value as low as 14. Easterly wind, 5 to 10 miles per hour. By the way, up in Harrison, feels like it's 8 degrees right now. Uh, Tonight, mostly clear with a low around 26. And then tomorrow, mostly sunny. It'll be a little bit warmer, a high near 56 degrees and the wind will switch to the south at uh, 5 to 10 miles per hour a break and then more here on the dave ellswick show 1011 fm the answer home of rush limbaugh Biden's uh, campaign wasn't over. Let me tell you about what happened at a New York fundraiser last night. Unbelievable. Uh, He shows up uh, in New York, and if things in Iowa and New Hampshire weren't bad, when he got to New York, it got even worse as people met him with chants of drop out Joe. You heard me right, drop out Joe. That was uh, as he was leaving a campaign fundraiser in New York City. Other protesters from the group New York Communities for Change held a mock funeral for Biden's candidacy, featuring a black coffin decorated with Biden 2020 stickers. One mourner wailed, the campaign is pretty much done. The people have spoken. Young people have spoken. And, uh, you know, earlier in the week, the former vice president struggles to connect with voters uh, was very apparent. Uh, And he was deemed, as you will remember, the Democratic Party's front runner for its 2020 presidential nomination. Uh, And and that was happening, uh, you know, big news i mean he was the you know the heir apparent and uh, he left new hampshire early on tuesday because the writing was on the wall and he got he didn't even get over into into a seven percent uh with that primary so he left there uh, before the primary results were in so he could focus on the february 22nd nevada caucuses in February 29th, South Carolina primary. Biden's 77 told supporters in South Carolina on Tuesday that he wasn't anywhere close to giving up the race. Now, remember, this has been his mantra in Iowa and New Hampshire, except that his mantra in both those are, we're here to win. And then got his clock cleaned in both of them. Well, it's important that Iowa and New Hampshire have spoken, but we need to hear from Nevada and South Carolina and Super Tuesday and beyond, he said. We haven't heard from the most committed constituents in the Democratic Party. The 
African-American community or the fastest growing segment of the party, the Latino Americans. Biden went on to describe the importance of the African-American and Latino vote, saying that you, quote, can't be the Democratic nominee and you can't win the Democratic nomination as a Democrat unless you have the support of black and brown votes. Last night, Biden was in midtown Manhattan courting Wall Street figures as he hoped to raise at least a million dollars. Attendees at the Wayfair restaurant event were scheduled to include former Morgan Stanley CEO John Mack, Center View Partners Executive Alan Hartman, Citigroup Exec Ray McGuire, Blackstone Operating Chief Jonathan Gray, SNAP Chairman Michael Linton, and former Obama Economic Advisor Jeffrey Zintz, that according to a list that was obtained by Fox News. Biden's fourth-place finish in the uh, February 3rd Iowa caucuses, an even worse fifth-place finish in uh, Tuesday's New Hampshire primary, reportedly had some backers concerned about the future of his campaign. A recent uh, Quinnipiac University poll showed Senator Bernie Sanders leading the Democratic Party field nationally with support from 25% of Democratic voters with Biden only garnering about 17%. So to say that Biden's campaign ship is taking on water is an understatement. I mean, a a poll that came out earlier this week, an internal poll that uh, got out, was that his support in South Carolina with black voters had fallen from 52% to 27%. That's a huge, huge plummet. And that's a... That's probably the best word I could use for that. It, that his, his numbers are just in free fall right now. Let's get a break in. i get you some traffic, get you the, the weather forecast. Robert Steinbach is getting himself all set up and ready to go here on the show. If you're watching on Facebook, that's who the guy is that's getting here in the studio. It's not somebody who's attacking me. I just want to let you know that. Not yet. This is a friend, all right? One, once you know, he is a friend. We'll be back with more. It's uh, 712, 22 degrees. Feels, feels that, that's like why I'm late, Dave, because I had a defrost when I walked out of the house. <laughs> it, was, it's, it feels like it is 14 degrees right now here in Little Rock. Let's take a quick break. We've got more coming your way. It's the Dave Ellswick Show on a Friday. Happy Valentine's Day. And, guys, if you forgot, you're not going to find many restaurants Whoops. that you can get any kind of reservation in. Just pray that she'll forgive you. That's all I got to say. We'll take a break. We got more coming your way here at 1011 FM, the answer home of the Rush Limbaugh Show. All right. So, my listeners, and I love this about them, Robert, yes, have a great sense of, they have a great sense of humor. I mean, a really good sense of humor. And uh, so, our, our caller that's joining us right now wants to be known as Dog Faced, you know, uh, uh, Pony, pony Soldier. Pony soldier, how right. are you? Yeah, how you doing today, my man? I'm wonderful. That's my uh, new pronoun. Dog face pony soldier. <laughs> and, right. uh, 
I, I don't know if y'all remember Baghdad Bob from uh, Iraq. Oh, sure. And, uh, yeah, I think that that's where Joe Biden is in his campaign right now. Uh, he's at he's at Baghdad Bob stage. Uh, everything's falling around him, and he's, he's still saying how he's going to win and yep. keep on pressing on. Yeah, so, just keeps but, uh, on, just keeps on keeping on. Yeah, so I just want to bring that back in history. Maybe uh, Baghdad Bob and Delaware Joe are a lot more like than we realize. I so I don't day, disagree guys. with. Well, you have a great day there, dog faced. Pony soldier. Dog-faced pony soldier. We love it. Right right out of Oatmeal Joe's mouth. We love it. If you it. get the oatmeal out, you get the dog-faced uh, pony soldier nasty. words in. Did you happen, I don't I don't know if you were ready and, and had the, the radio on listening, but did you hear me telling everybody that the mainstream media is telling you everybody else, except for Warren, but everybody else that's running against Bernie Sanders as a moderate, not only that, Dave, did you... Uh, yes, I heard it. First, let me answer your question. I've got to learn to do that better, right, Zach? Because in my class, <laughs> I get students, right? They start talking, and I said, well, what? You can talk. Answer my question first, yeah. right? All right. So the answer to your question is yes. But then to build upon your question, the news media... And by the way, to give credit, I heard this on um, Shapiro's show as well. Ben. Ben. Uh, who you know personally yeah, well. Yeah, he's very good. Yeah. Very good guy. He points out, the, the news media says, Bernie's not the front runner. And here's why, folks. Because it, last time he ran, he ran just against Hillary, and he got, say, 60% of the vote in the primary, and mm-hmm. Hillary got 40. Yeah. So he had a majority, and he won. And now there's 18 candidates, and he's got 24%. And so they said, well... He's got 24. Everybody else has less. But if you add up everybody else's numbers, they are greater, of oh, course, sure. than 24%. But that's not what front runner means. No. Front runner means first, if we got five guys running a race, all of them with one leg, and the guy with one leg who comes in first, he's the front runner, even though I could beat him because I have two legs. So don't tell me Bernie ain't the front runner. I don't care if Bernie's the front runner, by the way. I don't care if Bernie wins the primary, doesn't win the primary. I'm not, from strategic purposes, perhaps I would want him to win because I think he's quite beatable in the general. But I've also told you, Dave, that I think Amy Klobuchar is the best of the Dems. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because she has an air of moderation. It's all relative, folks. It's all relative. She has yeah. an air of moderation compared to the nuts uh, out there uh, in the uh, mixed nuts uh, jar well, that you the, get at the, the supermarket. The only reason that they seem moderate is that they've repackaged specific words that focus groups say, don't use those words because it makes people think that you're really extreme. And then they say it with the velvet glove on their iron fist. I agree partially, not entirely, meaning I think Klobuchar, for example, legitimately would pursue less leftist ideas than would Bernie. But is that a good thing? That's like saying, who's your favorite dictator? Well, I don't know. I think Pol Pot was probably better than Stalin. But do you want a dictator? No. And so do I want a lefty? No. But... Amongst the lefties, Klobuchar is a little less lefty. That's why I think she's slightly better. But that's all, you know, that's... Minorly yeah, less lefty. She's not putting it on her door hanger that Steinbuck endorsed her. Let's put yeah, it that okay. way. And I didn't, folks. I'm not endorsing her. I'm 
uh, obviously uh, in support of the president. But I just find it hilarious that mainstream media is unwilling to state that Bernie is the front runner. Now, they can say he's the plurality front runner, but nobody asked you whether he's the plurality versus no, the majority. Saying, they're talking to Democrats. Do they even understand the word? You know, I don't know. It's it like, right. It's like, for example, if you went to the supermarket and all they were selling were peas and corn and they sold more peas than they did corn, they would say peas are the front runner. And then they sold peas, corn, lima beans and peas still won, but only by a little over a third. Right. Would it not be the front runner? Well, of course. Are you serious? Yeah, it would be the 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 most uh, the most popular popular that's right vegetable. But it's not a majority day. Yeah, it can't win. Win what? Yeah, <laughs> right? well, yesterday, folks that were listening to the show, we played Carvel's rant, and he is so right in in, in the things that he's. But you want to hear that? Did you have you heard it? I heard part of it on television. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me let you me play. play it? Yeah, sure, it's not ahead. it's not that go long. Ahead. We still got that, don't we? All right, here, here's Carvel talking to Brian Williams, who I could have gone uh, the rest of my life without hearing from again. You don't like Lion Williams? Yeah, Lion Williams. That's who it is. But uh, he was talking you can't make that up, to right? James Carvel. <laughs> right. And here's what Carvel's view of uh, the process right now is. And why is Tom Perez still the chairman of the Democratic <laughs> National Committee? I have no idea. Uh, this party needs to, to wake up and... and Make sure that we talk about things that are relevant to people. We need to go back to 2018, where we had good, diverse, strong candidates that had real connections to the community and talked about real things. We don't need to become the British Labor Party. That's not that's not that's a bad thing. It, it's, it's not going well over there. So Democrats and now I want to see the, hope these candidates and Pete, Mayor Pete's got something going. Hopefully Senator Warren can can you know become that that student at the University of Houston, that single mother that knows that plights that people go through. Uh, who knows? Maybe Mayor, uh, Mayor Mike can, can come on. But right now, I got to tell you, I, I'm, I'm not very impressed. I got to say, James, I'm amazed at how often I hear Democrats reminding other Democrats, if you don't win, none of it's Come worth back. anything. Nothing. Without power, there's nothing. There's only one moral imperative in this country right now, and that is to beat Donald Trump. That's the only moral imperative. It's the only thing I want to hear. And in, in, until we understand that, we win every argument. Brian, we win an argument on anything. We don't win elections because we talk about stuff that is not relevant. We had a great experience in 2018. And the day after, we started all this goofy stuff. So hopefully we got time to jerk this thing back and be about health care and prescription drug prices and education and infrastructure and and climate and diplomacy and rejuvenating whatever it is but this is not happening so far and we can't act like this is going well we can't come out and put three wonderful talking points we we need to uh, these campaigns have got to be more relevant for god's sake senator warren get, get on get real out here and and you know let's let's move this thing along and we, we got to do that Joe and, Biden, Joe Biden barely fit on the graphic we have next to you, came so, out of there fourth place last night. What do you make of Joe Biden and his campaign? He has had an honorable life in politics. All right. This is just not the time. And, and so what's happened is he blocked out access from from my guy, Michael Bennett, from my, my dear friend, Governor Bullock, blocked out access from Senator Booker. 
Probably some people that were going to run didn't run because he was in the race. And he's going to, maybe he'll come back, but he's going to have a difficult time. This this, this is not a very good night for him, to say the least. Who should chair the Democratic Party? I don't know. Ask Nancy Pelosi. That's my idea. <laughs> come on, come on, speaker. We got to get somebody in there. Now I think this this thing in Milwaukee is is got is not off to a good start. I see all kinds of things that are very concerning there, and also I'm just looking at the at the mega polling averages. I'm looking at public opinion right now, and frankly, we got to snap back and get this thing going, or I don't even think about what would happen if we had four more years. Yeah, let's think about that for for just a a moment, Uh, uh, James. uh, Unemployment could be lower a little bit, more African-American jobs, more Latino jobs, more women working, uh, the economy of the United States roaring along, doing uh, doing its best right now that it's done in like 50 years. Yeah, let's think about what it would be like with, you know, four more years of the president. Four more years. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's exactly right. Did you notice that essentially he was delivering a eulogy for Oatmeal Joe. Yes, he did. He said, uh, this is not his time. Right. That's like saying, you're a loser. Well, it's it's a, it's what you say when you put the coffin in the in the ground, right? <laughs> it wasn't his time. They did that last night to him in New York. Did you hear me talking yes, about that? Yes, I did that? hear about that. They Indeed. had a big old coffin out there in front of the fundraiser right. he was at with uh, Joe Biden 2020 stickers all over it. Well, it... I've used this line for other politicos in the past, but it seems apt here, which is the only problem with Joe Biden's candidacy is that it died several years ago and nobody told him. That's exactly right. He believed he believed too many people that are close to him. Indeed, Dave, that's often the problem with these politicos because they won't tell the politico, uh, the, the advisor won't tell the politico their honest belief now some of them are sycophants uh, who actually believe they're sycophancy but the um there are some in those groups likely who realize it and just are unwilling to say it yeah and that's not a good advisor a good advisor says to you here's the counter here's where we're at right either get get it going or don't get going at all exactly exactly or 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 cash in your chips so to speak that's right and i think that I think Biden is basically there. We will see. He keeps saying that, you know, he's going to win Nevada. He's going to win South Carolina. But remember, he said he was going to win Iowa, and he definitely said they would win New Hampshire. Dave, everybody who goes to Nevada, you, me, and everybody around us, thinks they're going to come out a winner yeah. when they go to Vegas. And how many of them do? So That's they, right. They're, Lost Joe, wages. Exactly. Joe Oatmeal Joe is going to be as successful in Vegas as the average person, and that ain't good. Well, if he goes down in in Nevada, and uh, and he's look, he's got to go into Nevada. He's got to go into South Carolina to get back his mojo. He's got to win win by significant numbers, and I don't think he's got those numbers. And and let's be clear. Let me relate back to what we said uh, a moment ago, and that is. I would like Oatmeal Joe to win the primary in the sense that he's entirely beatable in the general. Well, yeah. All of them are completely well, beatable. Right. But as we discussed, I think some are more uh, easily beatable than others. I think 
Bernie is easily beatable. I think Warren would be slightly less beatable. I think Klobuchar would be slightly less beatable. And I think um, Bloomberg would be slightly less beatable. So I would prefer the two old doddering men to run against Trump than the other folks that I mentioned. And I'm reminded by Ken Yang that, uh, you know, only 2% of delegates have been awarded. Sure. Newt won South Carolina and his campaign took off. He still lost, but pundits call this stuff too early, he said. Indeed. And, I, and I'm not going to say perhaps that's the case, but I think that Ken Yang would agree with me. Joe Biden is not campaigning like a winner. Well, that's the other thing, right? So the point is not only did he not win early on when he had an expectation, expectation to do so. I'm going to do it. Here's Rush. Hey, 96% of Americans, let me give you that number again, 96% claim their Social Security benefits at the wrong time. You know how much that costs them on average? How about $111,000 over the time that they get their Social Security? That's big money. Learn how you could avoid this at an educational event maximizing Social Security with David Lucas. The tickets are just $20. They include your 40-page workbook. It happens Thursday at 6 p.m. in North Little Rock, and there's only five seats left. So you need to get on the stick and uh, give them a call and get one of those seats. If you've saved more than $250,000 and have not filed for Social Security, call to get one of the last five remaining seats right now at 501 Two 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 thirty three fifteen. Twenty bucks could help you avoid losing tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in benefits. And those benefits are rightfully yours. That's five oh one two 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 thirty three fifteen. Five oh one two 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 thirty three fifteen. And it's David Lucas, good friend of mine. The guy is a walking encyclopedia now about social security. You don't want to miss uh, getting his insights on that and what's the best time for you uh, to be claiming your Social Security. Robert Steinbach is here. Robert Steinbach is a professor of law over at the Bowen School of Law, and his opinions are his and his alone, not necessarily those of the Bowen School nor of UA Little Rock. So keep that in mind. I appreciate that. They should have these opinions, but they don't. But that's that's their problem. Well, Dave, I think that all of your listeners should have my opinions. And when I, I change I my opinion, they should, that be, too much. they should be on track with my change even before I make the change. Okay, so when, <clears> we, when we broke to hear what Rush had to say for today on his right. update, you tell me what you were trying to make. Well, you were talking about momentum. Right. So Ken is is right. We only have 2% of the vote in. And as a consequence, one can easily say, while uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Sanders is in the lead, we can't conclude he's going to win the primary. I don't know. I'm not saying he won't. I'm just saying it's too early to make that call. The difference with Joe Biden is we at least get a sense that he dramatically does not have momentum. He is stalled. Now, is it impossible to get a stalled car in the middle of the highway started up? No, but it's hard. And that's the point that I'm trying to bring out here. Oatmeal Joe is in a really bad place. And it seems to me, even with this small amount of delegates in, 
we can uh, draw a presumption, rebuttable as it may be, that this is now at minimum an uphill battle at best, so to speak. That might not be the right word, but you take my meaning. Uh, he's over. That's what I. So I think we are able to have that conversation even now, given how poorly he performed. So if he got 23% and that was second, third, or fourth place, uh, you would say, okay, maybe. Just needs a little tweaking. Yeah, he's but, got his followers. Right, but it, his numbers were not even close. It's a little over 6%. Right. It was so, it 6.6 or something? Exactly. Like so those are just numbers that don't portend success greatly. And so I think it's fair to to guess, to postulate that Joe's over. But we'll see. We'll see. Postulate or postulate? Well, the, the latter is what, you know, <laughs> when you're in the mirror in the morning, yeah. when you're a teenager. Right? Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Anyway, yeah, here's my whole take. And I keep saying that he reminds me of Jeb Bush's run, last run for president. There are a lot of parallels. A lot of people said he was the guy to beat. He had uh, he had the wins at his back. And uh, that's what they said about uh, about Biden. And it's like that old that movie that Matthew McConaughey was in a few years ago, Failure to Launch. That's it exactly just right. not happened. Look, there is a dynamic change in how politics operate in this country happening from when before Trump got elected, meaning he's a product of it. We have decided, by the way, I believe correctly. We no longer want dynastic presidencies. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? No more Clinton dynasties. No more Bush dynasties. And no more, because it's a related point, dynasties that result from the president slash vice president. So Biden would be an Obama dynasty, even though obviously he's not an Obama, but he was the vice president to Obama. And I think the country is saying enough with, hey, that's the package deal. Let's buy another one of those. We want change. We want new. And that was what Donald Trump sold very well. And that's what was demonstrated when Trump beat Bush. And that's what I believe we are continuing to see with Joe Biden. Now, Joe Biden also himself hasn't done himself <clears throat> any favors. No, he hasn't. He's oatmeal Joe. What was the caller earlier on the show? Uh, the yeah, dog, dog post, pony show. Right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's just. Which came from a movie in the 1940s. I think it came from Joe growing up in the 1940s, <laughs> right? So that's the problem. He's out of touch. And there is this sort of air about him when he makes these ancient references that he's going off into another place. And it, it doesn't present well. Yeah, I, and I agree with that. So with that said, and with this going on right now, as, as Trump is trying to get reelected, let's just, I'm going to make some assumptions, and they may be wrong, they may be right, but I'm going to assume that the president gets reelected for four more years, which takes us out to 2024. When we get to 2024, the president can't run for another term. He's done. He's capped out at that point. So if you follow politics for any length of time, you should be able to see 
the vice president be the presumptive nominee for his particular party. So you're saying uh, Pence for the Demo- uh, for the Republicans. However, let's roll back now. Let's see. Uh, I think Gore is the last uh, vice president that ran, and he got beat. And that's the point that I raised. Right. And that's Uh, the point that I raised a moment ago, which is I have no idea whether Pence would run then, but I think there's a fair chance based on history that he would. But I don't think that presumption is any longer in the American zeitgeist when it comes to the next nominee. So I don't think that Pence would be a shoe in for the nomination just because he's vice president. Dr. Yamauchi came in. He brought me a birthday present. Thank you, Doc. Was your birthday. Hey, Doc, tomorrow, tomorrow, or next week, yeah, we got to get, yeah, I know, but next uh, next week, got to get you on. We got to talk baseball. Pitchers reported. You got to talk with him about the, about the, what is it, the SARS or whatever the yeah, most recent. Yeah, well, he's been talking I'm about sure. the uh, uh, Corolla virus, or as I call it, the beer virus. There you go. Okay, so. Now you've got another vice president, and he's taking it on the chin. That's Biden. And I'm hearing that in 2024, Nikki Haley is teeing it up. And Nikki Haley will be very tough to beat. I think she's a fantastic She'll be a great candidate. Right. Right. And that's not to take away from anybody else. But that's an objective assessment. She is currently a, a, a viable uh, more than viable, very viable candidate for national office. So for sure. Now, with all that said, four years out is a yeah, long, we're a long time, time in politics. You better believe it. I mean, we're not even four years off. Right. We're we're, a, we're even further than four years. Well, uh, but I'll, I'll I'm just I I start looking now because that's right. you got that's a pl- right. you got a plan. I'm just saying. Well, that's the point that I've made. All Lots along. of money to run. I've made that point all along on your show about. Uh, our good friend Chris Corbett, mm-hmm. and that I think he should run for state senate here in Arkansas in two years from now. Yeah, because you got to plan ahead. Because Ray, Ray Perch going to be out of that. That's seat. right. Uh, Jason is going to be out of that seat. He's going to run for lieutenant governor, and uh, there's another guy up there. And Conway has already kind of expressed his desire to run, and he's a nice enough guy, but he's not the guy I think is right for the office. And I think someone aggressive like Chris Corbett is so. That two years out, and I'm already pushing him to run. He hasn't made a decision yet, but he hasn't said no. Yeah, that's the key. He's not saying no that's way. Right. Don't want to oh, do gosh, any no. of that. He's he's actively considering it. Yeah, he he de- he definitely is. All right, got to get a break in. It's a quarter and uh, till eight. It's amazing to me. First two hours of the show almost done. It's been fast today. Uh, it's Valentine's Day. If you want to have any kind of a decent life the rest of the year, guys. Make sure you do something special today with that significant other. I'm just telling you, because if you don't, it's like putting a gun to your head. I just think that that's, and somebody's going to send me an email saying, how can you equate it to putting a gun to your head? Well, if you've never been there, you don't understand. Uh, Dave Ellswick show at uh, quarter till eight, 22 degrees out now. Feels like it's 14 out with a, a wind that's blowing from the east-northeast right now. But that's going to switch around to the south later tonight. It's going to be beautiful tomorrow, mostly sunny, and a high near 55 degrees. And as we get into next week, 
we're going to start seeing some really nice temperatures like Monday. How about 65 degrees? That's something to look forward to. Stick around. We've got more for you. Robert Steinbach is with us until uh, 9 o'clock, so we're looking forward to him being around. We've got a lot more to talk about here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Back, one of our friends just uh, sent us some texts. What's uh, Sullivan having to say up there in District 21? Yeah, Dan told me that the uh, I, I'm trying to read it here. The Arkansas Medical Society is sending out a letter seeking support for Dan's opponent. And but here's the beauty of it: when you see people saying, "Excuse me, not people," when you see big organizations, organizations, that's when you right. see in this case big medicine, I have literally written law journal articles complaining about how big medicine is damaging our health care. Big medicine, for example, here in Little Rock, there was some guy who was a part of big medicine criticized me when I wrote an article telling people that they should go to specialty hospitals like Arkansas Heart if they're having a heart attack. And he writes, he goes, well, we make money off of heart attacks, which pays for our other less profitable divisions. So keep eating that crap so that, you know, your heart has problems. It's even worse than that. And then come to our facility, even though we may not be the best, because we want your money to fund the psychiatry ward. I don't care what you want my money for. I'm going to the best hospital. And when you see big medicine endorsing a candidate, you know what that is? Big medicine also endorses Obamacare. John's, excuse me, um, Dan's opponent endorsed Obamacare. So that's the thing. The endorsement by big medicine is a leftist idea and when the candidate is endorsed by big medicine you're voting democrat it's that simple you're voting for a democrat i don't care what label they're wearing you're voting for a democrat i'm well he's been hanging out with the democrats up there oh yeah john cooper's been hanging out with moms demand action he hangs out with big medicine he because big medicine gives him big money Mm -hmm. and moms demand action uh, gives him the Democrat vote because there are no Democratic candidates up there. You got to run in the Republican primary and you have these stealth Democratic candidates like John Cooper up there. If you want to vote Republican, forget about voting conservative, which you would do. But if you merely want to vote Republican, you got to vote for Dan Sullivan. He's the only Republican in the race. Yeah, I got a question for you. Yeah. You've been really. Uh, involved in that race up there. I have. Yeah. Have you have have we seen any kind of internal polling from anybody that tells us where this is sitting at? I, I'm not on that end of it. I don't look at that. I don't get that. So I don't know the answer. My sense from the people that I talk to is Dan is leading. Dan has reached to the people. He hasn't reached to big medicine because he don't want well, to. He ain't gonna right? reach him. He doesn't want to. He's been he's been kind of a an enemy of big well, medicine during the time exactly, that he's run, he's ran. His whole campaign is I represent the people. Yeah. And what I hear from every person that I speak to who's up from the Jonesboro Craighead Craighead area is they're supporting Dan Sullivan. So that's not a scientific poll, and I know there are scientific polls out there, but my anecdotal poll is Dan is really leading. But let me be clear. We need every voter out there yeah, you to gotta go, go and vote Yeah, you got to go starting Monday. If that's I'm right. not mistaken, early voting begins. March 3rd is the primary. 
And in many of these cases, the, the two Republicans running against each other in a primary are three. Uh, I mean, when you look at the one going on down in Garland County, there's three legitimately decent ca- uh, candidates down there. Uh, whoever comes out of the, a lot of those races is going to have either the uh, the senatorial seat or the uh, the House representative seat. Well, that's guaranteed seat. here. I don't even think <clears throat> there's a Democratic uh, opponent for the general. So Dan Sullivan or John Cooper is going to be the next senator. Whoever wins at the primary is going to be it. That's right. We have the same thing for the Mayflower area for the rep seat uh, that David Ray is running for. David Ray and his opponent, um, her name slips my mind. Maynard. Uh, I think that's right. right. I think that's right. Uh, uh, Whoever wins that primary, that's the next. They're in. That's it. And Good for us because we want Republicans. However, the downside is you wind up with a race like Dan Sullivan's where the opponent claims to be a Republican. Yeah, he has been claiming it. Right. Look at his votes on the Conduit website. His votes are lower than many Democrats. Well, I call that a Democrat. Look, you know, (laughs) well, listen, you know, call it a banana, but it's a duck. It's still a duck. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Right. John Cooper just got an F. An F from the NRA. Yeah, I had them on uh, on, That's right. on Wednesday, That's and right. they said that they had pulled their support from him. That's right. And it, it, it all goes back to the stand-your-ground vote that he cast in the Senate Judiciary Committee that killed the stand-your-ground legislation that had, if gotten out of committee, got on the floor, probably a 90% chance it would have passed. Oh, I think it's 100%. We That, as you know, Dave, and you... Uh, advertised for me yesterday on your show we had a wonderful panel discussion over at the bowen law school on the stranger ground legislation did you talk about how it allows murder we talked about how it doesn't <laughs> how that statement is false yeah big how that's time. a lie yeah indeed and to be clear when i said we talked about it the panelists t- talked about it i was simply the moderator of course, I agree with that notion. Well, you had the, the, the author of that bill there yesterday. Sitting right there. Bob Ballinger and Aaron Pilkington yeah. were both there. And they said, well, that's just rubbish. And all of the other panelists, by the way, agreed. That was just rubbish. Yeah. It's a false claim. It's, it's a, a false lie. narrative. It's, it's what it is. And, and that's when you know a candidate is terribly, terribly stressed because he knows he's going to lose. They start saying anything That's exactly to try right. to get a vote. That's exactly right. And uh, we we heard no opposition to that notion. One can theoretically be opposed to stand your ground. For some reason, I would have to think hard for a good reason. But you simply can't be opposed to stand your ground on the claim that it permits legal murder because that's a lie, Dave. I know and, it's a lie. And as you pointed out. And we've played that audio for you right here on the show coming out of the mouth of John Cooper. I mean, we're not making it up. No. He said it. He's going to have to live with it. Well, and as you pointed out, John Cooper was the single vote, the single vote. That killed Stand Your Ground. Killed Stand Your Ground. Yeah, he was. I remember. I was there. You were there. You were very active in the legislature. Dave. Let's just recap what Stand Your Ground is. First of all, if you looked at a map of the United States, all the states around Arkansas 
have stand your ground. Mm -hmm. Are you seeing a bunch of, when you look over the border, do you see a bunch of murders happening? Is it a wild, wild west? Uh, No, is the answer to that question. Now, what does the law do? It says someone's attacking you. You don't have to run. You don't have to run. And one of the panelists, uh, I think it was David Ray, brought out what I thought was a very good and subtle point that I wish I had conceived of. So I'm going to take credit for it. Yes, no, I can't. steal it. I'm going to steal it. <laughs> from now on, just it, use it. Say it's your own it. thought. It's Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, for me, that is, it's David Ray's, and David yes, Ray I gets understand. full credit for it. And the point was, quite simply, that if we're debating between who gets the benefit of the doubt, is it the illegal aggressor or the person acting in self-defense? Currently, the law says that the person in who's acting in self-defense, has to turn around, essentially, and look for an escape route. Why? The person acting in self-defense should be given the benefit of the doubt, not the opposite. Why are we making it extra special, easy, and beneficial for the illegal aggressor? And so Stand Your Ground simply says, someone is attacking you, you're allowed to act in self-defense, and you also don't have to look around for escape route. Escape route? Let the bad guy look for the escape route. I'm not interested in well, escape routes. But that's the way gun laws are. All the gun laws that are passed have no effect on a person who illegally is using a firearm. It only affects those who legally try to follow the law. Well, the, the analogy that I like to, to use for this is if, you're go, if the United States Army in World War II goes into Germany... Uh, and then they encounter uh, resistance. Should they look for an escape route or should they forge on? Yeah, keep on going. All right, we got to get a break in. News is coming up. You want to hear that? We got five solid minutes of news to, to bring you up to date on what are the big stories right now. Uh, for you who are just getting to work, you might want to listen to that so you'll be ready for the water cooler this morning. Courtesy of the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, the answer home of the Rush Limbaugh Show. show here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I will not be here Monday, but you know who will be here? Who's that? My good friend, Robert Steinbach. What? Will be filling in for me. And of course, remember, his opinions are his and his alone and not necessarily though the Bowen School of Law or uh, UA Little Rock. UA Little Rock. Or the UA system, in fact. Whereas I like to say they should be, but they're not. But what can I say? Some people just like to be wrong. 
Well, there you go. Well, but to, to be fair, right? I, I know you're joking, and it's a, it's a good joke. I enjoy it, in fact. But the truth is, we simply don't know what the views of individuals on campus no. are, and we shouldn't be speaking for them. And the institution itself, institutions don't have views. I don't like when I read something like, oh, well, ASU believes. ASU believes? How does ASU believe anything? ASU is an institution. And I don't like when you see a president. Of it's an a group of buildings. That's right. Exactly. And I don't like when I see some institution saying, uh, uh, we believe this, which is really the comment of some top uh, bureaucrat. Yeah, it should be, I believe Right, this. and that's not a criticism that they're a bureaucrat, but they shouldn't be speaking on behalf of an institution about sort of general policy perspectives. ASU can say, uh, ASU believes ASU is a good school, right? So you could say that. But once you extend outside the border of the school itself, I don't think that there should be such statements. And I'm not trying to pick on ASU. I'm just picking an example. Because I want to talk about something about a guy who is trying to win the Democratic nomination to run for president. Oh, I thought you were going to say John Cooper's trying to win the Democratic. No, I'm, I'm uh, talking. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm talking. <laughs> I'm talking about Bloomberg. Oh, okay. Right, right. I guess you saw earlier this week that Mayor Scott of Little Rock has embraced Michael Bloomberg. Is that right? I try to pay very little attention to I know, Mayor but Scott. He, but this is what he's. This is what Bloomberg's trying to do. I mean, yeah. we. I can go back eight plus years, and you had the Commodore, uh, the uh, the Admiral of of North Little Rock, who uh, embraced Michael Bloomberg as he was just inaugurating this whole movement about anti gun anti gun movement. Anti soda. You know, he's got yeah. all that going on. I mean, he. He's the worst kind of socialist. He's insidious, right? Yeah, he's, he really, he's really like is. He's like kudzu or, or, um, or I like mold. That. I like that. Right? Like kudzu. Yeah, he, he just grows and grows all over you. And then you then you wake up one morning and, and you're being choked out. And he's choking everything out. That's yeah, it. Absolutely. He chokes out your freedom. Yep. Look, uh, Bloomberg, Bloomberg, rather, is anti-gun, uh, big government control of your life, and... Bloomberg is backing, I don't know if quite literally, but Bloomberg's ideas are the same as John Cooper's ideas. They are anti-gun. They're mm-hmm. anti-stand your ground. Uh, they're big government. Yeah. So we were just talking about the Dan Sullivan race. There's one conservative choice. There's one lefty choice. Yeah. Now, if you're a lefty, there's a choice out there for yeah, you Yeah, it's clear. So for the 18 lefties that live up in Jonesboro. And hey, that are, got, and that. Identify right. as Republicans. Well, They're kind of like they have no guys that identify right. as girls. I don't understand it. <laughs> okay. So they can vote for, for, for him. But otherwise, if you're a conservative, if you believe in stand your ground, if you believe in the Second Amendment, if you believe in the First Amendment, if you believe in freedoms, well, then there's only one conservative candidate running up in Craighead County, right. Dan Sullivan. Yeah. We know that. I'm with you. Right? We know that. I'm with you. I no. did a big story yesterday. uh and, and I don't know why this story gets under my skin so much, but it just does. And that's guys identifying gr- like uh, that they're girls, right. and now they want to compete in women's sports. David's, it just drives me wild. Uh, I am actually on the same page with you on that. And here's what I always say, and, I'm, and I've said on your show, and I'll say again. You want to identify, if you are a male, want to identify as a female, female is male. Uh, male wants to identify as a cucumber, 
meaning you can identify Go as Go ahead. Whatever, I don't care. Exactly. Do whatever you want. I've had people come up to me and say, I want you to call me uh, Mr. or Ms., even though sort of the default in the context was the opposite. I said, knock yourself out. I don't care. But that is different than entering into a competition uh, when you are biologically male and assert yourself to be female because that's why we have different categories. We have separate bathrooms for men and women, and we have separate competitions for men and women because in today's modern society, we still recognize those critical differences, one based on privacy, one based on capacity. Scientists just came out yesterday and confirmed that yet once again, there's only male DNA and female DNA. There is not some kind of morphous middle ground somewhere. And we see what we see when men compete in female sports is they dominate because the male body is different than the female body. And then you'll hear, well, I know a woman who could beat a man in tennis or this race or something. Yes, because those are people are in the middle. But when you get to the top category in each competition, be it peewee league or professional sports, the men dominate because of the difference in the bodily construction. It's that simple. I told you this before, Dave. I used to date a woman who was a competitive marathon runner, but I would always beat her in sprints. Was it because I'm a better runner? Gosh, no. Gosh, no. But in sprints, male physiology overwhelmingly advantages the competitor relative to female. And so even though I was never a competitive runner, I was a better sprinter than she, I am a better sprinter than she is. That's to no sort of credit of my own, that's simply a distinction based on the biology. So this notion that people who identify as female should, on those grounds alone, be competing as women, notwithstanding their male DNA, is rubbish. All right. So I talked yesterday about the story of the three girls who are going to high school in Connecticut that have brought suit now against the Connecticut Athletic Association because they won't do anything to stop two boys that used to be part of the boys' track teams at the uh, high schools they were at, and they were just mediocre track and field people uh, that now are running against the girls and winning all of the events and won the state titles and all the rest, and these other girls didn't. What does that mean to them? It means scholarship dollars and all kinds of things. It means the destruction of women's athletics as we know them. And uh, let me just, the executive director, Glenn Lugarney, told the AP, this is about someone's right to compete. No, these boys could have competed if they wanted to no matter what. Uh, I don't think this is... In the is, boys' competition. Yes. Right. I don't think this is that different from other classes of people who, in the not-too-distant past, were not allowed to compete. Now, that really freaking pisses so me off, to be honest. So he's saying that's like when Jews or blacks couldn't compete? That's correct. That is such... Oh, I, I agree. It's oh poppycock, all right? But this is the... That's... You know what that is? Race baiting. That is race baiting. Racist! Misogynist! 
That's yeah. what it is. And I will call it out every time I hear it. I'm sick and tired of the left going to throwing out the race card every time they don't like an argument from a conservative. And we have pushed back on it, and we have called it for what it is. And let me tell you what it is. It is Shinola, Dave. Yeah, it, it really is. It uh, goes on to say, this guy says, quote, I think it's going to take education and understanding to get to that point on this issue. I.e. indoctrination. Indoctrination and your feelings. That's what he's saying right here. Well, I, I, I read that, and and now there's a lawsuit in Connecticut about this. And it's a federal lawsuit, by the way. It's not a state lawsuit. It's going to be a federal lawsuit. And I just heard this story this morning. I thought this was just going on at lower levels right now. An Alaskan woman could become the first openly transgender athlete to compete in the U.S. Olympic marathon trials if her entry is approved by two of the biggest international governing federations in sports. Megan Youngren qualified for the women's marathon trials scheduled for February 29th in Atlanta by meeting the qualifying standard at December's California International Marathon in Sacramento. Susan Hazard, the head of communications for USA Track and Field, told the Alaskan Daily News, or the Anchorage Daily News, excuse me, Thursday that Youngren's entry in the race is still pending until the International Olympics Committee and World Athletics, the international governing body for track and field, formerly known as the IAAF, approves the entry. Quote, I haven't heard from anybody in about a week, Youngren, 28, said in a phone interview before I did hear from USATF that I should expect to go. They told me to plan on it, so I'm planning on it. Well, look, Dave, this is exactly what we have been discussing. I want to bang my head against the wall. It's just inappropriate. And by that, I mean it's not fair to the female competitors if someone who is biologically male uh, with male DNA competes in a female competition. It's not fair to the others. So when you read a comment from some race-baiting individual who says, well, we're not being fair to the transgendered person, well, we're not being fair to all of the other competitors. That's the problem with the claim there. The transgendered individual is causing unfairness to others, and we need to consider the rights of others. That's the same discussion. That's the same basis for why when we say, well, we believe it inappropriate for transgendered male to female individuals to go into women's showers because it's unfair to the other participants. So when we are aptly concerned about the person who's transgendered, we should be concerned about every person in this world. And I mean that sincerely, but that includes the other participants. Here's the problem with this whole thing. Okay. So why is it so far-fetched that I've asked this question about, you know, sharing shower facilities and restroom facilities and on and on. Why is it so wrong to have men's competitive sports, women's competitive sports, and now transgender competitive sports? Of course, there's nothing wrong with that. The problem 
that they see is, one, it's still a very small community, so it's not going to be a big competition. And then they claim that, well, you're excluding us from the others. And the answer is because you don't. And then they say, like you used to exclude the blacks, or like, you know, used to be the black Negro League in baseball. No. No, no. Because the difference here is that you don't belong, and, and, and by that, let me be clear. I don't mean this as a you don't belong because we are discriminating against you, as was the case, of course, with the black baseball league. Blacks were being discriminated against from the white league. You don't belong in a female competition if you're not a female that's biologically. Right. Biologically. Born that way. Right? Well, that's biological. That's what I mean by biologically. Well, and I, I think you got you got to define it for people because so many people are confused now. Well, and this is what is amazing about it. We know what the di- – we learn in high school, junior high school. Yeah, junior high school. Men have XY chromosomes and women have XX. You can't change that. Nope. And that has a direct result on everything else, how you grow. It doesn't matter. You change the testosterone levels or That's whatever. Right. They'll tell you. said that. Yeah. She said, look, you change the testosterone, but you still have all that biology that grew up that way. That's the muscle, exactly right. right? The, the muscle, muscle development, different. the skeletal development. That's right. All of those things were set in place even before you got into junior high school. Dave, you, you know we sit across from each other here on the table. Maybe the folks on the Facebook uh, can see this. I am a skinny guy, and I'm not particularly tall. I'm of average height, maybe technically slightly above, but let's just call it average height. So no one would mistaken me, say, for Arnold Schwarzenegger. That notwithstanding, I can outcompete women in a variety of sports simply because I'm a male. So it's simply unfair to allow me uh, uh, to compete in a female competition, even if I were to go through those changes that someone who's transgendered goes through. I guess the reason this really affects me the way it does is that it takes me back to when I was in high school, mm-hmm. all right? And I always thought it was wrong that the girls who wanted to play basketball, who I would, you know, we'd allow them to play pickup games and stuff well, with sure. us out on sure, the, the playgrounds and whatever, and they'd beat our butts sometimes <laughs> just because they, they were taller. They were, when you no, were no, they weren't oh, taller. They, they were just, just better. They were just better. Got it. All right. But they had nowhere to play like that. Now, before the game was over, we would typically win. All right. But, you know, I thought it wasn't fair to the girls because when they went out for basketball, right. when I was in high school, you were still playing half court basketball. You know, the, the offense played on one end of the court. And your defense played on the other end, and they they wouldn't uh, they weren't allowed to wear uniforms, so to speak, with shorts and stuff like that, because well, you know, don't want to be showing off the different bodily parts and things of that nature. And I I fought indeed for girls to be able to be able to compete against each of other. Of course, I I've won the Women's Sports Foundation Award for best coverage of of. Uh, fast pitch softball and i just think that it's uh this is taking steps backwards well that's right we moved title nine uh, the law moved to guarantee that women have the same access to sports 
uh, amongst other things, in college that men have. And we've re- been really successful at that. And now, with the attempts to put uh, transgender male to female competitors into female sports, you will be moving backwards by excluding women effectively from competitive sports. Because they can't win. It's, it's being proven in Connecticut matter. and other states as well. And if they can't win those uh, state championships, then their chance of getting athletic scholarships goes down. Well, it just And why do you want to compete? They're in- not going to give these transgender guys men's scholarships. They're going to give them women's scholarships. But not only that, you don't want to enter into a competition where you know you can't win because of this kind of disparity. I've entered competitions that I know I can't win because I wasn't good or as good as the top players, and I knew who the top players were. That's one thing. But to know that basically you are biologically prevented from winning, why would you enter that competition? It just doesn't make much sense. And so... Well, if you wanted to do that, you'd go over and compete with the guys. With the guys, right? And and you could do that. So it, it, it it's just it, it it this is discriminatory towards women. It is. That's what it is. It really, really is. All right, twenty four after eight. Enough on that. What's the temperature? Just getting my spleen clean today. Uh, twenty four degrees. Oh. So now it's only it's oh, it's, it's seven punch. it's seventeen degrees seventeen degrees out there. Is what it feels like. The effective. I'm not sure it matters. Just keep I'm in not mind. 17 or 24. It ain't right. And that, that wind gets your attention as soon as it hits you. There's it no ain't doubt. right. It really did today when I arrived here at about 420. I this moved morning. to Arkansas for Woo! the warmth. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. But it's relative. You look at what it is in Chicago right now. Is it colder? It's colder. Is it colder? Really? Oh, a lot colder. Oh and there's snow on the ground. Oh, my. Keep that in mind. All right. Uh, 25 after 8 and 24 degrees here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM. The answer, home of the Rush Limbaugh Show. All right, we just got a minute and a half. Let me bring you up to something here. Less than two weeks after President Trump was acquitted by the Senate, Democrats have their sights set on somebody else. Attorney General Bill Barr is their new target for investigations and even impeachment following the AG's apparent move to overrule prosecutors' recommended sentences, and in this case, former Trump advisor Roger Stone. Uh, From members of Congress to members of the media, political operatives to law professors, Barr is under intense scrutiny from the left for alleged, here's the quote, misuse of the criminal justice system, unquote involving not only the Stone case, but the removal in January of U.S. Attorney Jesse Liu and accepting Ukraine-related information from Trump's personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani. And if you're thinking to yourself, these guys never stop, you're exactly right. Amen. They never stop. Well, of course, you hear all the leftists screaming their heads off that the attorney general told the prosecutors that the sentence— that those individual prosecutors had pursued uh, draconian yes was far too high and how dare he do that and he was listening to trump let me let you in a little secret folks and i know you all who are dave's listeners know this the attorney general works for the president and the prosecutors work for the attorney general the president is entitled to tell the attorney general that 
Something needs to be changed if it's legal. Talk more about this when we come We're back. Do and it. we got some other things. He's got a new case, Robert. Potential. Does. We want to talk about that as well. But right now, here's Sean Hannity. All right, we've got uh, 25 minutes left on the show day. It's uh, 25 minutes till 9 right now. It's 24 degrees. Feels like 17 outside. It's going to get up to about 42 degrees, but we are going to have an easterly wind at 5 to 10 miles an hour and make it feel a lot cooler out there right uh, at the time because, you know, wind chill factor. And uh, people say, well, it's not that. that's not a real temperature. I know, but it feels like a real temperature. Uh, tonight, mostly clear, low around uh, 26. So bundle up tonight. And then uh, tomorrow, looking uh, a lot nicer, mostly sunny, a high near 55. And by Monday, we're going to have a 20% chance of some showers and a high of 66 degrees. All next week supposed to be in the 60s. Wow. So what a contrast. I'm, I'm all about that. Next weekend, it's supposed to be sunny and uh High 60s to low 70s. Wow. So maybe maybe we're going to get spring a little early. I could dig it. I would like that a lot. Tomorrow night, I don't care. It's not going to be real warm. It's still my birthday. Happy birthday. I still have made one complete trip around the sun again. Happy 39th. And and I didn't even have to do anything. There you go. That's that's what I like about birthdays. You don't have to do anything except stay alive. Stay alive. And if you you don't, you wouldn't know it anyway. That's exactly right. I would have no idea. That's the way it goes. All right. Now, you were talking, and I, I cut you off. Oh, my goodness. Now, I'll let you uh, pick up. Yeah, we we had to get to the news. So, What were we talking about, my potential case? Yes. What did, what so, did, what did you It turns have, out that there's a fellow up there in, um, I'm going to look. Sulphur Springs. Yeah, up in Sulphur Springs who has kind of a part-time shooting range. And the mayor came to him and said, oh, we have this old ordinance that doesn't allow anybody ever to shoot a gun anywhere in town. By the way, the ordinance is so overbroad, it literally would criminalize self-defense. It would criminalize a police officer uh, using his gun in the line of duty. So the ordinance itself is obviously absurd, but it goes even further, Dave. Okay. The state legislature has enacted previously, although after this 70s ordinance, a law that says localities can't prevent this type of behavior that's right so i'm going to get in touch with the mayor down there and see if we can work this out without litigation but this bespeaks a broader issue dave as you know i've recently been admitted to practice law in the state of arkansas as you know i've been a lawyer for 25 years but i never got my license until recently and I am focusing on what's known as impact litigation, litigation that has an effect not only on the individuals, but more broadly. And then within that, I'm focusing on Second Amendment related, and by that I mean not only constitutional, but gun-related litigation. So as it turns out, while not intended, the phrase impact litigation will have two meanings. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, as you know, and I've mentioned on the air already as it turns out, my bar number, which is the first part is the I year, 2020, this. and the second part is just the next number in the series, my bar number is 2020-007. Yeah, I So it all love seems that. to come together. It almost compels me to be the litigator in the state of Arkansas for gun rights. We got to get you a billboard. Right. And dress you up kind of like uh, James, James Bond. Bond. 
you know, with a martini glass or, or something like and, that. And, and a tuxedo. Yeah. And just, you know, dressed to kill. Light, license to file. Yeah. That's what there I There you go. License, license to, to file. file. <laughs> so, I like that. You like that, Zach, huh? You're good. You're so, good. That's very funny. This is another case. As you know, I have already the Chris Corbett case here in Pulaski County to uh, effectuate. Is that still just in limbo right yeah, now? Well, it just started. So we're waiting to hear back the response when it's due. It's due next week from the county on why we can't follow the law, which is a, the law allows officers of the court, which means attorneys, to carry guns in the courthouse and, in fact, in the courtroom. And yet... The courts don't allow it. So we're going to get that cleaned up mm-hmm. by the court system. We're going to start out in the trial court, and if need be, we'll work our way all the way up to the Arkansas Supreme Court, and we'll get that fixed or at least defined well. Because impact litigation, Steinbuck impact litigation, the purpose is to effectuate laws that have an impact on society, and in this case, focusing on gun rights. Okay, so this gentleman that has this part-time shooting ring, right? you've talked to him? I've spoken to someone who uh, is working with him. Okay, so he's not looking for any monetary kind of case. He's looking for just get off my back stuff. Correct. He's looking to have the freedoms guaranteed to him by the Second Amendment, guaranteed to him by the state version of the Second Amendment, and in this case, most importantly, guaranteed to him by state law. And this local 50-year-old ordinance is not going to stop us from making sure that he's entitled to do what he's entitled to do. Yeah, and a local ordinance cannot exceed past what state law says. Indeed, right? And we know federal law trumps state law. State law trumps local law. Okay. It's called supremacy of law. So really, this should be kind of a slam dunk. I agree with you. Should be. Should be. But some people, you know, they want to drag something out and cost themselves money. That's right. That's what it comes down to. I've been working on these issues since I testified 10 years ago for Charlie Collins on enhanced carry. Mm -hmm. This has been a passion of mine, and I've been working in favor of the gun rights of our Kansans for years and years. Of course, that's why I'm a big supporter of Dan Sullivan. Dan Sullivan... uh, was it supportive and is supportive of Stand Your Ground, and John Cooper literally killed it. Literally yeah. killed it. It wasn't that he was amongst those who killed it. He's the guy that killed Cast Stand Your the Ground. That's vote. right. Because we don't expect to get the votes from the Democrats. We had what we thought were all the Republican votes, and then John Cooper last minute switched. Pulled the rug out from under Pulled the rug you. out from under us. Everybody was surprised by it. Everybody was stunned, weren't they? That's right. Yeah. I remember that. Oh, my gosh. I remember Ballinger coming on my show, and he was not happy. I'm, Bob, for me, it, it's hard to, and it, maybe it's just I only see him when he's in a decent mood, but he had steam coming out of his collar. Last night, Aaron Pilkington highlighted the fact that John Cooper is being dishonest about his opposition to this good bill. And I don't know if you've ever met Aaron. This is a yeah, really... Yeah, he's been on my show. Oh, he's a great... He is a level-headed guy. There's nothing sort of overly emotional about him. And he said, look, John Cooper is not telling you the truth. He killed this bill, and it was a good bill, and John is the reason it failed, and John's position is an anti-gun position. But, of course, John's position is the position of Moms Demand Action, Mm -hmm. and Moms Demand Action is one of these Bloomberg... They back him. Yeah, they they back him, and they're one of these Bloomberg-like 
anti-gun groups. Well, so he put up the money for them. That's right. Get them started. That's right. So John has allied himself with the Bloomberg anti-gun position. That's a Democratic position. Bloomberg's running as a, as a Democrat, not a, as a Republican. As so, a liberal, not as a, liberal. as a conservative. Exactly. So it's John Cooper, Moms Demand Action, and uh, Bloomberg. That's not a false alliance. That's the truth. What is false is the claim that John Cooper has made about the stand-your-ground legislation. That was sound legislation then. It's sound legislation now. And, in fact, regardless of the outcome of that race, it's going to pass. Yeah, there's no doubt. Like I said, I had uh, the uh, NRA's uh, local Arkansas representative and Tennessee and Louisiana. That's the three states that he has. And he said that is the number one piece of legislation for 2021 General Assembly uh, that they are going to see get passed. Well, that's why the NRA gave Dan an A and gave uh, John an F. It's not even a middle ground. No. Right? Dan gets the highest rating one can get, Dan Sullivan, and his opponent gets the worst rating. Mm-hmm. So please, please, don't tell me that John is pro-gun. That's just nonsense. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Right, agree what, with that. Look, own it. Own it. Yeah, if you believe it, right. state it. That's, see, that's why I like Bernie Sanders in that aspect. He doesn't hold back. He says what he believes. I don't agree with anything he says. I haven't heard him say anything that I've agreed with. But at least he stands up and says, here's what I believe. Vote for me if you believe this way. I had a conversation just the other day regarding this Stand Your Ground presentation, in fact, with um, Joyce Elliott. Uh, uh, she's a wonderful woman, and she's extremely pleasant to deal with. I yep. had invited her. She had a conflict. She wanted to come to our Stand Your Ground presentation, and she's just so wonderful. And I disagree with her 95% of the time on politics. There is 5% that we overlap, and when we do, we've worked together with you on your show. Yeah, we've had it. We've talked about some ideas that she had that are good That's ideas. Right. That's right. And when we support them, we tell her and we support them and we push for those bills. But what is wonderful about dealing with a person like Joyce, dealing with Joyce and other people like her, is you know where she stands yep. because she ain't lying about it. Nope. That's nope. the minimum that you should expect from your politicians. Yeah, she'll, she'll state exactly what she believes 100%. in. 100%. She'll lay it out there and she'll say, hey, Dave, hey, Rob, I hope you agree. But if you don't, I understand. But – and we say this. If I lived in the second district, which I don't, I live in the first, but if I lived in the second, I wouldn't vote for her no. to be my congresswoman. Oh, I, I, yeah, I live. I would yeah. vote for French Hill oh, again. I, I'm a strong supporter. I've, I've done work for French, uh, French's campaigns to support him. So I'm the strongest supporter of French. And I need to, uh, given that we've raised her, I emphasize that point no less. French. Hill is a fantastic congressman. He will be our next congressman. And so, no, I'm sorry, Joyce. You're, you're a friend, and I love you, and I, I wish you the best as long as you don't win the congressional seat. And go. she won't win the congressional seat. No, she's seat. not. She'll, but we'll have a great lose. conversation about it. Yep. All right. With that said, let me ask uh, Zach. He said, someone asked a question on Facebook, Zach. What were their exact question? He's going to read it to sure. us. Okay, Jason um, on Facebook Live says, how do you feel about a personal injury attorney getting involved 
in the Bill of, Bill of Rights Sanctuary Counties Ordinance. Well, okay. I think all attorneys, uh, if they learn an issue, can be involved. Meaning, when you practice law, it's not like, well, I'm a uh, 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 I'm an endocrinologist. Yeah, I got to pick the one I can't say, right? Uh, so I only do <laughs> that kind of medicine. Uh, or I'm an orth- orthopedist, so I only do that kind of medicine. In law, you're entitled to be a generalist and do all types of law, but you've got to learn the issue. So if there's a personal injury lawyer who wants to get involved in an issue and he, he or she reads up, have at it, baby. All right. I think that's that's fair. I mean, Indeed. Let's face it. An issue like this is going to end up in the courts. Oh, 100%. You should have known it 100%. when you started it. Indeed. That's, it was going to end up in the court system, Indeed. whether local, state, or federal. And I would say on this one, probably will stay in state, and then they're going to pass the ball off to the feds. All right, a break. Then we'll be back for the final segment of the Dave Ellswick Show for this week. It's a Friday edition. I will not be here Monday, but I'll tell you who will be. Robert Steinbach. What? And when we come back, he can tell us some of the people that he's going to have join him here on the air on Monday. With that said, enjoy your Valentine's Day. And uh, guys, do something, something special for your significant other. we got 12 minutes until 9, 24 degrees here at uh, 1011 FM, The Answer. And let's get, uh, of course, being the home of Rush Limbaugh, let's get our... our uh, traffic and our weather all right let's get back here we got seven minutes until uh, nine o'clock robert you're going to sit in for me starting monday I remember am. you got to be here at 6 a.m what probably nobody sh- told me that you might want to be here just a little earlier than that to make sure that your guests are going to be here on time indeed. and catch up on the news indeed so but- uh tell us who you got coming in we got, we got a, in. Yeah, we got a bunch of folks calling in. Of course, Chris Corbett and Hannah Webb Howard. Chris Corbett is my client in that gun case we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Hannah Webb Howard is the Second Amendment Society um, president and founder. Uh, and both of them are going to come in studio. Cool. In addition, we're going to have calling in uh, Senator Alan Clark, uh, Representative Dan Sullivan, Representative Mark Lowry. Uh, David Ray, who, as you know, is the chief of staff for Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin and running for a representative seat in the Mayflower area. Uh, Senator Bart Hester and Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin. How's that for a lineup? Wow, that's a great Mm -hmm. lineup. I hope we'll be able to squeeze them all in. We're going to be juggling a little bit. Yeah, well, you get them all in. I think that's right. Some, Some have more to say than others. Indeed. Indeed. So it should be cool. And uh, what are some of the topics that you'll be talking about? Well, as you know, Dave, I always talk about gun rights because that has always been an interest interest of mine. And now I'm pursuing that as a focus in my legal practice of impact litigation. So I will speak with all of them about gun rights. And from that discussion of gun rights, we always bridge out into the broader conversation about individual liberties. That is what is under attack now in in society. Mm -hmm. You know that the Second Amendment is not the only amendment under attack. The First Amendment is under attack. And it's under attack, ironically somewhat, by the liberals, because historically, and we're talking 50 years ago, or 40, 50 years ago, yeah, 
Historically, the liberals were the ones pushing to ensure that the First Amendment was guaranteed to individuals. And now they have completely flipped the script and they want to restrict our ability to say what we want to say. Yeah. And it's remarkable. And what was going on back in the late 50s and and 60s was that uh, the the left was being told uh, that by the right, that we're not going to give your views any legitimacy by letting you talk about them. And they didn't like that. And so they rightly, at Berkeley and other places, they rebelled against that. Well, now we've made a full circle, and now it is the left trying to do just exactly what the right did to them back in the day. And the left's argument is— And it's even worse now than it was. And the left's argument is, well, you see, I'm offended. And if I'm offended, then you can't say what you want to say. How about this? I'm offended that you're offended. Yeah, me too. So you shouldn't be telling me that you're offended because that offends me. That's the absurdity of this leftist argument. It brings you down a rabbit hole of stupidity, and they have ensconced themselves in this ridiculous position. Well, they've they've set themselves up on feelings and not facts. That's exactly right. And you've seen my my hoodie now that I wear, and it says facts, you know, don't care about your feelings. Amen. Facts are facts. That's right. It's just like the whole thing about transgenderism, that these guys, because they identify like for girls, are girls. No. Biological facts say you're a guy. I'm sorry. I, I, I make this... This illustration all the time. You can go stand in your garage all day and say you're a car, but at the end of the day, you're not a car. You're a guy or you're a girl. You're a human. You're not a car. You're not a piece of machinery. The, the you might left, think that, but you're not. The left has hijacked language, meaning the English language, and are routinely saying words mean whatever we feel they mean. See, that's what the Democrat... To nom, you know, the guys, the candidates right. that want the nomination. Sanders says what he means. Uh, Mayor, uh, you Buttigieg. know, you know, Buttigieg and uh, uh, Klobuchar and Warren, they couch that they believe the same things, but in, you know, different language, easier to handle language, and he's got a lot of people completely tricked out about this. And I'm telling you, the mainstream media telling you they're moderates. They're not. They're not even close. The, the, the only way by the, the definition of moderate fits is they're moderate compared to Bernie, perhaps. Yeah, maybe. Right. But if, if, you, both, if you all believed the same stuff about global warming, if you're all believing the same things uh, dealing with the environment, if you all want to dismantle... Uh, the great uh, years of energy production that we got going on, there's no difference. It's just semantics that they're using. We're out of time. I'm back at the beginning of my show already. Amazing. That's what I talked about. Amazing. All right, we're back with you. Have a happy Valentine's Day and uh, have a great weekend. Some of you will be like me. You get three-day weekend. I'm off on, on Monday because it is the greatest president in history for the United States birthday, George Washington. And they got a special on Fox this weekend about George Washington. 
I've already got it set up to remote uh, to record it. You have a great one on Monday, Robert. Thank you for coming in today. Thank Let you. me God get bless. out of the way. I got to get out of the way. News is next. One zero one one FM. The answer. Home of Rush Limbaugh. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.